0: Welcome to the Saving Grace Adventist Church Sermon Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed by the Word of God.
1: Happy Sabbath, everyone. Happy Sabbath. Happy Sabbath, Saving Grace. Happy Sabbath. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Yes, amen. It is indeed a pleasure to be here.
0: Amen.
1: You know, if we ever knew the battle that was going on for our lives right now, we'd be so excited to be here. Amen. The devil himself is at war with your soul. He wants you more than anything else. You see, at this very moment, the devil knows that he had but a what? A short time. He has come down with great wrath. But I'm so happy that the angel of the Lord encamped around those who what? That fear him. And he delivered them. You see, the battle that we fight here is... You know, it's not against flesh or blood, but it's against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We should truly take it as a privilege to be here today. Let us pray. Loving Lord, we're just so thankful for your word. We're just so thankful for your protection, Lord. Lord, I ask that you send your spirit down to come to speak to my heart, Lord, to speak to my soul, Lord. Lord, I ask that you cleanse me, because, Lord, I know that you won't hear from me unless I am free of sin. So, Lord, I ask for forgiveness of all my sins. And Lord, I ask that you prepare your people, Lord, so that they may hear your word. And that your word may find lodgment in their heart. So Lord, I ask for your spirit once again to guide us into all truth. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. The message that I was going to deliver was the great harvest. But pastor wanted me to preach this message that I preached some weeks ago. You know, this week while I was reading, you know, it's very important that we read. That we stay in the word of God. You know, I always wonder, how could God be our best friend? But yet we don't read. We don't pray. We don't have an intimate relationship with him. But yet we desire all the blessings of the Lord. We desire him to give us the riches. To give us peace of mind. To give us a good, smooth day. You know, I was... As I was reading this week in the great, I mean, in Desire of Ages, and I was reading in the chapter 10, where it talked about John the Baptist. And for those who haven't read that chapter, you know, John the Baptist, you know, is a very interesting man. You know, from birth, even before birth, John was ordained. Did you know that? Yes. Yes. And, you know, his father was a priest. And his mother, Elizabeth, was a godly woman. And when his father went to the temple and went twice a year for his priestlyhood, you know, an angel of the Lord appeared before him and told him that he would have a son. And while there, he was already stricken in old age. And he was saying, how could I have a son? And, you know, the angel of the Lord said, do you not remember Abraham? You know, he was old, too. And Sarah was very old. And, you know, he doubted the Lord, you know he wasn't too sure. But yet we have here John the Baptist was born. You see, John the Baptist didn't go to school as many of the rabbis did. You know, he was, he was raised out in nature in the wilderness. He was there with nature in one. And that's how he became in one with Christ, away from the city, away from the temptation, away from the pollution of the people of that time. Because you see, those people in those times, as I read, were just like us. They were very rich. They were in need of nothing. They actually, you know, it was surprising to me that Sister White said that they also were very sick people. They didn't adhere to the health message of their day. And he says here, He saw his people deceived and caused them to tremble because of their great wickedness. You see, his message was there to startle them, to wake them up. You see, if John the Baptist didn't come before Jesus, the people wouldn't hear Jesus. He came to startle the people. He came to upwake them. It says before the seed of the gospel could find lodgment, the soil of the heart must be broken up. John the Baptist didn't come with no happy message. He came with a message of conviction. A message that would break up their folly ground. So that that the word of God could find lodgment in their heart. It says, before they would seek healing from Jesus, they must be awakened to the danger from the wounds of sin. God does not send messengers to flatter the sinner. You know, we have some messengers, they just come and they flatter us and they make us feel good. They say, you can go back home and do as you want. Go back home and live the same life. Just wake up and pray and say, thank you, Jesus. You know, I have some people at my work like that. They say, oh, no, 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 you're just a radical. Stop it. (laughs) You're just a radical. When I preach to them the health message, they say, oh, no. No, 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 you can eat meat. They say, oh, no, 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 you can do this and you can do that. He doesn't send someone to flatter the sinner. It says, he delivers no message of peace to all the unsanctified." into fatal security. That'd be a sin. If I were to come here today and to give you a message to lull you into peace. It says, He laid heavy burdens upon the conscience of the wrongdoer and pierced the soul with arrows of conviction. The ministering angels presented to him the fearful judgment of God, to deepen the sense of need and prompt the cry, what must I do to be saved? That should be each and every one of our cries. What must I do to be saved? You see, most of us here, we always wonder, oh, what little can I do? Oh, the, oh uh, they said pray three times a day. I pray three times a day. But why do we not ask the question, what more can I do? You see the thing, we're just complacent. We never want to do more. We want to be like everyone else. It says, Then the hand that has humbled in the dust lifts up the penitent. The voice that has rebuked sin and to put shame, pride, and ambition inquires with tenderest sympathy, What wilt thou that I shall do unto thee? Powerful words. You know, as I go through the message today, I'll be telling you the same thing. We should not put these books down and lay them aside. You know, many of us sit here and we watch, I don't know, I, I look on my um, Facebook and people watching Scandal. I don't know what that is. All these kind of shows on TV. People, we can lose our salvation. Most of us even watching three B N 3ABN cannot save you. You need to study the word of God. 3ABN is not a study. You need to pick up the word. You need to pick up the word of God. You need to study. You need to pray. Silent prayers. If you ever read the book, The Great Controversy, you wouldn't have any time to be playing around. You know, this, this, this speaks to myself, too. NBA playoff season, on. sometimes I find myself watching more basketball than I do praying or reading. I changed the message and it was hiking with Jesus. How much of us want to hike with Jesus? Hiking with Jesus. Jesus says, Jesus said unto him, I am the The truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by who believes that? So it's Jesus the way, the true and the life. the truth and the life? Why do we not put Jesus first in our lives? Why is Jesus not our best friend? You see, when one has a best friend, he spends a lot of time with him or her. Am I right? Sister Barry, when you're courting your husband, you wanted to, back then they probably didn't have any cell phones a long, long time ago. <laughs> you know, you wanted to speak to him all the time. And if you had to walk 10 miles to go and see him or take a bus, you would do it. <laughs> or maybe he would. <laughs> That's right. But you see, we don't, we don't give God that same attention. We just put him aside and say, Lord, when I have time for him, he's, he's not even our friend, he's our associate. Just somebody along the side at work. You know, when we're going on a hike, there's some essentials that we need, right? I don't know if any of you ever been... Camping in the wilderness. I've been camping in the Everglades, way out in Big Cypress. No bathroom. No water. Just me, alligators, boars, snakes, insects. Enough mosquito. I thank God that I'm black, so the mosquitoes can't penetrate me that deep. (laughs) You know? Nothing out there. But when you go camping, there's some essentials that you need. And some of these essentials are a backpack you know you need to pack your stuff your things and stuff you know back in the day maybe if you use a um, how you said a crocus bag that's what many probably many of you, use when you were going somewhere you know you need a, a weapon in case or something to cut with you need a compass to guide you in the right path mm-hmm. yeah, you guys haven't been camping before you guys haven't been lost in the woods you see, when I was a little boy, my dad's from Portland, Jamaica, and we would go way up in the Blue Mountains. But he knew where the direction, he would just say, go north. And we would go east, wherever he said. And that was the way we went to go somewhere. You know, along the line, you need some good shoes. You need a flashlight, something in case you get lost. You have a light at night, and you need some good food. Good food. What, in, what could we replace for food, flashlight, and a weapon in our spiritual walk? What could take that replacement? The word of God. Amen. The Bible itself. It says here, for the word of God is alive. Do you believe it? Yes. And active. Sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to divide soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Did you know that it judges the thoughts and your attitude of your heart? Isaiah 54 verse 17 says, No weapon formed against you shall what? Every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemned this is the heritage of the servants of the lord and their righteousness is from me saith the lord along the light along the way we need a flashlight it says thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path god's word is definitely lightens our path no matter where we go in this world Sometimes it could be on the jaw, and his word gives us a sense of light, a sense of hope, a sense of direction. Because without light and in, in darkness, we'd be lost. It says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people put light, light a candle, and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. The word of the Lord is like food. The psalmist says, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. We don't believe this. And how I know we don't believe this because we do not spend enough time in the word you know when i'm reading sometimes i don't know if you've ever experienced this you can't stop reading because it's so sweet Amen. you know at nighttime when i'm reading sometimes i say you know i'm to go to my bed by a certain time and i say man it's 10 o'clock i'm gonna read to 10 30 and i'm gonna shut the word next time i look at my clock it's 11 30 i've read two three chapters and i just want to keep reading Jeremiah says when your words came I ate them they were joy they were my joy and my heart delighted for I bear your name Lord God almighty Jesus answered it is written man shall not live on bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of God Jesus words are alive The prophet Lord says they, they have no interest in Bible studies. Their moral power becomes enfeebled. Sin appears less and less repulsive. There is a manif- manifest and increasing unfaithfulness, a growing distaste for life's practical duty. As the mind becomes perverted, it is ready to grasp any reading of stimulating character. Thus, the way is open for Satan to bring the soul. Fully under his dominion. dominion. It says, those who have no interest in Bible study. You know, when you don't have an interest in something that can lead you into something right, you will always, sin will always appear less and less repulsive. The sin won't feel like I'm committing anything anymore. It will feel all right. Right? Then we start growing a dis, distaste for heavenly things. But what happens? The mind becomes open and then it is fully under Satan's dominion. It says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. We ought to do what the word of the Lord says. It says, what book can compare with the Bible? Without understanding the scriptures, it is impossible for you to understand what is truth or to discern discern between sacred and the common. How can we know what is sacred? Only the word of God can lead us into sacredness. Prayer. One of the essentials in the Christian life is prayer. Says prayer is the opening of the heart to God as a friend. Do you agree? Is God your friend? So, why do we pray so little? If God was truly our friend, we would pray more. Not that it is necessary in order to make known what God, what we are, but in order to enable us to receive Him. Prayer does not bring God down to us. Amen but brings us up to him. I'm glad. I want to be brought up to heaven. I want to be brought up with God. It says, he found comfort and joy in communion with his father. And if the savior of man, the son of God felt the need of prayer, how much more should feeble sin for mortal feel the necessity of fervent constant prayer. If Jesus himself found the need of prayer, if he needed to pray for strength, if he needed to pray, how much more should feeble, sinful mortals find the need for prayer? We are nothing compared to Jesus. Nothing. But yet, we find no need of prayer. We think that it's okay that I get in my car and I drive off and I don't even need to pray. Mercy. You ever wonder how God keeps you safe on the highways? You and a person driving 70 miles beside one another and no accidents. It is only the mercy of God. That he's saying, I'm giving you one more chance. I'm giving you one more chance to put away some darling sin that I'm having hold of. You know, some of us have some darling sins in our lives that we just want to keep hold of. we want to say, Lord, I'll do everything else, but I want to keep this one. I I want to do everything else, but this one is so precious. It is so meaningful to me. Some, it might be dress. You know, some, it might be eating. You know, if a man cannot control his appetite, he cannot be saved. Appetite is what caught Eve. Appetite is what leads the children of Israel into destruction. Appetite for worldly things, Egyptian things. It says, it is our privilege to drink largely at the fountain of boundless love. What a wonder it is that we pray so little. What can the angels of heaven think of poor, helpless human beings who are subject to temptation When God's heart of infinite love earns towards them, ready to give them more than they can ask or think. And yet they pray so little and have so little faith. Wow. God is willing to give you much more than you can ask for. He's willing to give you things before you even ask. And yet all he wants us to do is just acknowledge him. That's all he wants. He wants us to acknowledge him as Lord and Saviors of our, of, his, of our lives. And he will give us what we need. It says the darkness of the evil one encloses those who neglect to pray. The whispered temptations of the enemy entice them to sin. And it is because they do not make use of the privilege that God has given them in the divine appointment of prayer. The evil one encloses you when you don't pray. You ever wonder some days when you're in a rush. You know, sometimes we wake up late and we're in a rush to go to work and we we, we say, say, oh, this morning I can't study. You you know what I'm talking about. This morning I can't study. I have to go. And we rush and we we say a little two-second prayer and we run and we put on our clothes and we run out the house. And you ever notice how terrible of a day you have? You know what I'm talking about, Brother Henderson. You know, and one day I promised myself, I said, Lord, I'll never do that again. I said, Lord, even if I'm late to work, I'm going to pray, I'm going to read, I'm going to study. I'm going to spend some quiet time with you. And you know, the funniest thing is that I'll wake up 30 minutes late than my normal time, and I, and I say, you know what, Lord? I'm just going to do what I promised. And I sit there, and I do it for 20, 30 minutes. And I put on my clothes, and I leave the house. But you know the funniest thing is? I still reach the work on time. Uh, somehow the Lord opens up the traffic way for me. And every time I do it, I say, Lord, I even got here earlier than when I don't do it. Lord, can you explain it to me? It is because... You spend time in prayer. And because of that, the day just flows. You know, even when I make a mistake, somehow the Lord puts it back into my mirror where I can just catch that mistake the next day. Or even days later before it gets to my boss. He opens a way. But when we neglect to pray, we put ourselves in trouble. It says the adversary sees continually to obstruct the way to the mercy seat. that we may not not by earnest supplication and faith obtain grace and power to resist temptation. If we do not pray for power to resist temptation, how can we resist it? We cannot resist it on our own. We can only resist it through the work and the aid of the sweet Holy Spirit. Matthew says, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find, knock and and it shall be open unto you. For everyone that asks receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be open. Amen. If we regard iniquity in our hearts, if we cling to any known sin, the Lord will not hear us. But the prayer of the penitent, contrite soul is always accepted. You know, if we have sin in our heart, if we have hate for somebody. You know, many of us here come to church and we won't sit next to another sister or brother. Because something that they have done to us years ago, and we expect the Lord to hear our prayer. But Jesus says, if you can't forgive him, I won't forgive you. And I won't hear your prayer. But yet we expect the Lord to hear our prayer. I'm telling you, saving grace, if you regard iniquity in your heart, if you're clinging to any known sin, God will not hear you. But it says, I like that part. It says, but the prayer of the penitent and contrite soul is always accepted. Amen. Amen. We should always petition the throne of grace. He says, another element a prevailing prayer is faith. He that come to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Yes. Do you believe that? Yes. You know, you know. I was talking to my dad. My dad owns a business, and I'm saying, stop worrying about it. Did you not pray about it? Amen. I said, the same problem is you're going to bed or you're going to wake back up with. So why go to bed and not sleep but why don't you put all your cares in Jesus, and he will deliver you? Amen. You know, it makes no sense. We go, to our, we go to bed, and we don't sleep, and wake up with the same problem. Why not go to bed and put it in the hands of God? Amen. But the problem is that we don't exercise our faith. We talk faith, but we don't exercise it. We don't use it. You know, sometimes we ask for more faith, but God has given us enough faith. And we're not even using what he's given us. But yet we go, oh, Lord, give me more faith, Lord. Just exercise the amount that he's given you. Amen. We need to believe. It says, when we do not receive the very things we ask for at the time we ask, we are still to believe that the Lord hears and he will answer our prayers. God is too wise to hear and, and too good to withhold anything good from them that walk uprightly. If you walk uprightly. You see, it would be crazy for God to bless us if we're not walking uprightly. Why should God bless us if we're living in a life of sin? That means he's promoting the life of sin. What God wants you to do, he wants you to come out of sin. He wants you to turn your life around. He wants you you to give yourself wholly to him. But yeah, we want to to give a little bit to God and we say, Lord, bless us. Lord, you know I need a job. The job I'm in is no good, but Lord, I want your blessings. And then we feel down and we're saying, the Lord is, is not blessing me. What the Lord wants us to do is to change our lives. He wants us to be new creatures. He wants us to have a new heart. He wants us to be new saints. A compass. Along the way of the journey, we need A compass. And I'm so thankful that Jesus has given us the compass of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It says, I will pray the Father, he said, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not. Neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwell with you. And shall be in you. The comforter has been sent to all who have yielded themselves fully to the Lord and to his service. And to all who have accepted Christ as as their personal savior. The Holy Spirit has come as a counselor, a sanctifier, a guide, and a witness. I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that convicts one of sin. It is one that gives counsel to the grieving heart. Along the journey, he's the one that guides you into the right path. He's that conscience that speaks to us. You know, sometimes when we have that conscience saying, do right and do wrong, that conscience that's saying, do right, is the sweet Holy Spirit. It says the the Lord is more willing to give the Holy Spirit to those who, those who serve him, then parents are to give good gifts to their children. The nature of the Holy Spirit is a mystery. Men cannot explain it because the Lord has not revealed it to them. Regarding such mysteries, which are too deep for a human understanding, silence is golden. We cannot explain the Holy Spirit. We cannot explain the Godhead. How can one explain that God, that Jesus was fully man and fully God at the same time? And I agree with the author. Silence is golden in these things. Because when we try to explain them, we will pervert the message. It says, when he comes, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. But unless the members of God's church today have a living connection with the source of all spiritual growth, they cannot be ready for the time of reaping. When God comes back. If you do not have a living connection with the source, with the Holy Spirit, you will not be ready for the time of reaping. You will be bundled up and will be thrown into the fire. Another part of our journey, you know, we all like entertainment, music, clothes, and, you know, those things. Am I right? Yes. We like to look good. We like good entertainment. We like good music. But there's some guidelines. And the problem is that we have so dealt in the world of sin that sometimes we don't know what's good from what's right. Am I right? Okay. If you look at how most of our women dress I don't really mean to pick on the women, but the problem is more with the women. It's that, and some of the young men, the young men that wear their pants down. I go to these, these events, and I, and, I, and I see some of the women. I can't tell if they're women of God or on the Satan side. And on Sabbath, I see them coming to church. Oh, I love the Lord, and he's so good. But yet our attire tells a different story. It says the Bible teaches modesty in dress. In like manner also the women adorn themselves in modest apparel. This forbids display in dress, gaudy colors, profuse adornment, any device any device designed to attract attention to the wearer or to excite admiration is excluded from the modest apparel which God's word enjoins we should not seek attention for ourselves you know you know jesus says you know he was talking to them and he says that even the very thought of you looking at another woman you've already committed a sin you've already lusted but the same way god is saying to the men or to the woman when you think of it you're lusting Is the same way he's saying to those who dress like that he says because you're aiding them to sin you too have been condemned. You see, we don't look at that. We just look at the man lusting. And, and, and God will deal with that man in his perverted mind. But when a woman or a man aids another person, God will deal with them in his way. Music. It says, First Samuel 16, verse 23, And it came to pass when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul that David took a harp and played with his hand so Saul was refreshed and was well and the evil spirit departed from him. Music is powerful. You could be going through a time of bereavement, a time of pain, a time of sadness but yet when you listen to some good, I'm talking about good wholesome Christian music, it can elevate your soul like the song of meditation. What a powerful song. Music is powerful when used in the right order. And we'll talk about that order. One of the first parts of music is the melody. The melody is the storyline. It says those who sing, I mean, those who sing is what is called the harmony, such as altars, tenor, bass parts, are the singing a melody that harmonizes with the three parts. So we have the melody, we have the harmony. The harmony is produced by chords which match the key structural stru- structure in which the melody is written. Next, we have the rhythm. The rhythm is what makes the music move, am I right? And that is the part that gets most of us. But this is the order of God's music. God's music has an order. First, we have the melody that responds to the spirit. Then we have the harmony that responds to the mind and the rhythm that responds to the body. But what Satan has done, he has flipped the order that God has made. What he has done, he's put the rhythm first. Then he's put the melody and the harmony. So that's why when you listen to, say, reggae, what is the first thing that happens? Yes, you start move. You start to move. It appeals to the flesh. But what God does, he appeals to the mind. Amen. You see, that's why you can never have Christian reggae, Christian rap, Christian rock. You cannot have Christian soca. You cannot. Amen. You cannot mix good and evil. I'm telling you, because the order is changed. If I put on some good, I'm not, I'm not good, I take that back, but if I put on some gospel reggae, the first thing everybody starts get up in is to dance and clap and ru- and move. Amen. The music appeals to your flesh so hard. I'm, one time I was, I was driving and I just read this message and a car next to me was playing some music and I put up my window. <laughs> I said, I'm not listening to that. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not polluting my mind. And it was so heavy that it was coming through my car, <laughs> and I was focused. I said, Lord, I'm not. And little I heard, I started feeling my feet tapping. <laughs> I couldn't control it. Oh, you ever been somewhere and you, and you try? You've been to a party, and you're a Christian, and your family members might not be. And they start playing some music, and you're saying no. But yet, you find yourself in a corner rocking and moving. The sinner cannot help it. That's why we need to surround ourselves with people that love the Lord. Amen. The part of the music which is the spirit is the melody. Where are we? Where are we? Here it goes. The rhythm in rock music. Rock music, which is secular music. Reverses the common order of the beat by placing the emphasis on what is known as the off beat. The off beat is the main emphasis falls on the beat four, and the secondary beat is the beat on two, as pitcher was the picture below. I took it out. It's amazing. You know, let's do a demonstration together. And I'm gonna show you how it works. You see, every secular music, secular music has what you call, how should I say it? Four beats. So you have beat one, two, three, four. So when you're singing, you always hear the person go one, two, three, four, right? I'm not a, I'm not a music teacher, but I know this. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Am I right? Yeah. Right? So, but what all secular music is built on is a two, four beat. Every beat is on two, four. God's music is always on one, one, three. But secular music is on two, four. So that's why it doesn't matter what you put it on. It, was, it will always appeal to the body. So let's, let's do this thing. Whenever I say, I'm going to count one, two, three, four. When I say two and three, I want you to clap. OK, so I'm going to say one, two, three, four. So when I say one, clap, two, don't, three, clap, four, don't, okay? And I'm going to keep saying it, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, and I want you to clap on one and three, okay? So we're going to clap on one and three. All right, let's try. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. So let's, we're going to clap on one and three now. I know some of you, it takes a while. Are you ready? One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Now let's do a two, four. A two, four now. So you're going to not clap on one. You're going to clap on two. And you're going to clap on four, okay? Two and four you're going to clap on. So we're going to do one, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Which one was easier to clap on? The two, four. Did you see that? And that is exactly what worldly music is built on. Everyone, from rhythm and blues, to neo-soul, to reggae, to soca, every to rap, to R&B, are all built on the 2-4 beat. You see how easy it was to clap to a 2-4 beat? It was hard to clap to a 1-2 beat, I mean 1-3 beat, was it? I seen you guys struggling. It was hard. But the way Satan has made it, and you see, that's why when you play any instrument on a 2-4 beat, you will move. That's why you can, a man who can play jazz, and when he plays jazz on a piano, on a 2-4 beat, you will move. You can't help it. It is just the way that it's designed. It says, the fundamental problem with secular music is its relentless beat, which dominates the music. And produces a hypnotic effect. You, you ever, I know none of you haven't seen, but I've seen videos where when, 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 a, when a girl goes out or a young man goes out to these secular places and they, and they start to dance, don't they look possessed? No, no, am I right or am I wrong? Maybe when you guys were growing up a long time ago. I don't know what you guys were doing then. But a person becomes possessed. They have been, how you say, hypnotosed? Hypnotized. They have been. And I'll, I'll read a statement to you where they say they have been. Listen to this. I'm going to go to the Jimi Hendrix one. It says, Jimi Hendrix, you guys know who Jimi Hendrix is? I just found out who Jimi Hendrix is. One day I was at work, and a guy said, I was always talking about music, and he says, he says, yo, Everall, the baddest guitar player ever is Jimi Hendrix. I said, yeah? He said, yeah, he's a brother too, he's black. I said, he said yeah, man, I went to Woodstock and I don't know what year it was, 19 some, 1970 something. And he says, man, Jimi Hendrix would have all of us just waving and moving and, and we know—we didn't even know we were ourselves. And I said, what? He said, man, Jimi Hendrix was bad. And I said, "Well, wow, look what Jimi Hendrix says. He says, music is a spiritual thing of its own. You can hypnotize people with music and when you get them at their weakest point, you will preach into them subconscious what you want to say. They hypnotize you. That's why, you see, you ever, you ever go and everybody's in unison at the, at the parties? They're all hypnotized. They can't help it. Marilyn Manson, that guy was a crazy guy. He says, I don't know if anyone has really understood what we're, get, what we're trying to do to lure people in. Once we have got them, we give them our message. And yet we have our young people walking around here with, um, what do you call them again? MP3 players in their ears. And all hooked up to their cell phones. Poisoning their minds. He says, look what he says, he gives them, we give them our message. That, that's not a three angels message. That's not a message of Jesus. That is a message of satanic worship. But yet we play these music in our cars, in our homes. And yet we want God to abide in our homes, but yet we have these musics on our computers. We have these CDs in our homes. How can you expect Satan to be removed from your home when you have his things in there? You have just given him a key to your home. Amen. You know, it's with that, with everything in our home, we have devil magazine. We have movies of the worlds in our homes. We have cable TVs with God knows what channels on them. But yet we want God to come and abide and to bless our homes. But yet our homes are full. And we have given Satan a key to our homes. You know, there is no 90% God homes. It's either 100% or 100% the devil. But what we have do, we have given him interest to our homes. And many of us keep these musics in our homes. Oh, no, I'm not throwing them away. They're classics. Classics that will lead you straight to hell. Straight to hell. It says, it is written. It says, 2nd Really We're that. You know, it's time for us to give our lives completely to God. What do you say? You know, it's time for us to put Christ first. The problem is that so many of us have been in the church for so long, and we have yet to put Christ first. We have yet to have a full conversion. We once might have had it 20 years ago, but somehow along the way, we have lost our way. We've lost our way because we haven't studied the word, we haven't prayed earnestly. We haven't plead for the Holy Spirit. Did you know that we have to ask for Him? The Bible says that. Without the Holy Spirit in this world, we are lost. You know, I'm begging us. You know, some time ago, um, that book came out. Forty days. Forty days. It's forty days of pleading for the Holy Spirit. We need to get back to that. We need to plead for the Comforter. We need to plead for the One who's going to convict us of sin. You know, me and Sister Brad are around the back talking. Many of us do not want to be broken down. We do not want God to bring us all the way down, and then he'll build us back up. Some of us, we want to keep everything in this world. We're we're so attached to the things of this world. Our house means so much to us. Our jobs mean so much to us, but God means so little. But people, I'm telling you, it's time to wake up. Jesus is soon to come. And I'm warning if you're not ready now, when tough times come, are you going to be ready? No. I'm warning you. When the time comes when they say you have to work on the Sabbath, when you have to do this and you have to do that, when you have to tell a little lie at work, you won't be able to say no because you are ready on his team. But it is time for us to wake up to change our lives, to devote our family first to God in the morning. How dare us leave our house and not dedicate our families to God with morning worship? Many of us are not even training our kids in the right way. And we wonder why they're so wild, and why they cannot receive God. It's because of the parents. You know, many parents talk about church. Oh, it's no good in church. And no, it's the home that's no good. We need to clean up our homes. We need to clean up our lives. You know, I, I'm not going to be here, but I went some while ago, I went to a revival. And I love what the pastor, the, the evangelist said. He said, for all when we go home, and I want all of us to do this when we go home, is to take anything in our house that don't belong to God and throw them in the garbage. Amen? Amen. Anything anything that is keeping you away from god take it out of your home any music that you have on your phone that does not uplift the name of the lord in the right order of music take it out i don't care if it's grace thrillers throw it out i'm let me tell you something a person cannot just have one good song on their cd and 10 bad ones that is devil we have people like Kirk Franklin. Kirk Franklin sings one good song. The next song is a rap song. The next song is a reggae song. What is this? That's how the devil lures us. He puts one good thing in us Oh, no, no, no. Can I throw away all the good with the bad? Listen, if it's not 100% good, throw it all away. I'm warning you, throw it all away. Any dress that you have in your closet, women, that is too provocative, throw it away. Throw it away. Any shoes, anything you have. We need to burn everything that doesn't belong to God. We need to clean our hearts and our souls. You know, the devil is the greatest being ever created. The smartest. And like I said, he knows that he has but a short time. And it is time for us to give our lives fully to Christ. And I'm going to ask Sister Barry to come forward as we have a prayer. You know, a prayer that... We cleanse our lives, that we change everything that we do and that we give ourselves 100 to Christ. He gave himself 100% for you, 100% because he loved you so much. Sister Barrett, let us kneel as we pray for full submission to God. Amen. Amen.
0: Eternal and most heavenly Father, we are so thankful for this message. Father, bringing us back to you, we give our heart, our mind, our soul, our very thought to you. Father, we are asking you to tear us down and build us up into your glory. Father, we don't want to be remodeled. We want to be torn up and built up. Father, we pray that you will input a right heart within us and renew your spirit within us. We trust in you, Father, that you will do it if we give our hearts to you. So this morning, Father, this afternoon, We are praying in the name of Jesus that we will not be the same when we leave this place, that we will stop playing church and come totally consecrated to you, Father. And we pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that we will be a new creature. You will clean us up, make us into a new vessel so that we can spread the words of salvation to others so that they will come to know more about you. Forgive us, Father, of all of our sins that we have committed. And cleanse us, Father, from all unrighteousness. We pray in a special way for Brother Jackson. We pray that you will continue to use him so that he can proclaim your glory to others. He is a young man. And, Father, it's not easy to find a young man nowadays that totally can totally consecrate their life to you so father in the name of jesus we are praying that you will build him up in you so that he will continue to spread the good news of salvation we pray for every member every visitor that is kneeling before you every child we pray father that whatever we do whatever we say will always be done to your name's honor and glory help us to be faithful just as how you're faithful to us father we pray that you will continue to be with us and guide us in everything that we do we beg these mercies in your precious name amen amen thank you for listening to today's message